If you use the internet on a daily basis, and chances are you do, you probably don't put much thought into cybersecurity. You know, your network connections, the pages you visit, the files you download. You should be thinking about these all the time. Welcome to And Security for All. Your host is Kim Hakem. We're here to help you understand, in general terms, how and why your cybersecurity should be kept in check. Now, here is Kim Hakem. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of And Security for All. I'm Kim Hakem, your host. Very excited to be here again today. Today is National Privacy Day. It seems like every day is some sort of commemorative day, but in the cybersecurity industry, it's a very important day, but not just today. Every day you should be aware and concerned about your privacy. For those of you that may be new to today's show, thank you for being here. I also run another company called FutureCon Events, and we run and produce cybersecurity conferences throughout North America. We have many, many speakers who talk about zero trust and protecting your privacy. So today being National Privacy Day is just another day for us that we are spreading the awareness about online privacy and educate, educating citizens on how to manage their personal information and just keep it secure. You know, we're always trying to remind our friends and our families that everything that you do online generates data. There's data about your activities, behaviors, interests, so much. So this is another time to stop and reflect. What are you guys doing online? What kind of apps are you downloading? Are you, what kind of information are you sharing with others? Remembering to update your computers, update your software, update your phones, get rid of apps that you're not using. You know, in this whole new world of post-COVID, it has made life so simple that really you don't even have to leave your house if you don't want to leave your house. But what is the cost for that? So here's an example that actually um, happened to me last night. Um, shamefully so. I live in the Midwest and it is very, very cold here. You definitely, there's no motivation to go outside and go anywhere in the evening. So after a long, hard day yesterday, I went to go pour myself a glass of wine and I didn't have any. So I just saw a commercial about the Drizzly app. I'm not no shame in calling it out. And um, you can get your wine or whatever you're drinking quick. I downloaded it, ordered my wine. It came very, very fast. And then my phone started alerting me that I had fraud. And within 20 minutes, my card was using, uh, was being used overseas. So that was annoying. I had to cancel the card. I'm sure the app must be legit because we see it on TV, right? But I'm not going to use it again. So it's the little things we do on a daily basis that keep us all in a safer world. My show today is not focusing on data privacy this week, but I do highly, highly recommend if you are not following any industry leaders who are role models in the privacy area, definitely seek them out, listen to their daily advice. There's so many out there. One that comes top of my mind is Rebecca Harold, aka the Privacy Professor. You can 
find her easily just by Googling the privacy professor. She's amazing. She um, has that title patent. So she really is the privacy professor. She also has a show here on Voice of America. I believe it runs once a month on Saturday. So check that out. She is amazing. Um, on another note, I have another amazing woman in the industry that is my guest today, Lauren Hansen. She's the founder of Develop Her. She's the best-selling author and full-time software engineer. Her technical areas of expertise are Ruby of Rails, InfoSec, Voice, and iOS. She holds a senior leadership in engineering roles at startups, prominent agencies. She's worked on multiple high-profile apps. She's led nationally distributed engineering teams. She's worked remotely for Silicon Valley Payments Company, where she was the architect of voice payment systems and message capabilities. She's completed a triple major with top honors in electrical engineering, computer science, economics at Duke University in just four years. Uh, she founded the Develop Her to help women in tech get ahead, stand out, earn more in their careers. We'll definitely drop, dive into that later when we chat with her. She's helped thousands of women in tech, but also worked with top companies like Google, Dell, Intuit, Armor, and more. Um, she's worked with higher education institutes like Indiana stuff. Tufts University, Chapman, Ivy Technical College. She definitely is a living proof that hard work combined with passion pays off. And amen to that. I agree with that. Her work is featured in Apple Keynotes. She's won multiple high-profile hackathons, including SXSW twice, was one of 100 tech innovators invited to attend UK G8 Innovation Summit and was invited to the United Nations Equal Initiative. There's so much more I could talk about her, but I would just spend the whole hour talking about everything she's accomplished. So let's welcome to her the show and find out more about Laura. Laura, thank welcome so to much. the show. Yeah. Thank you so much, Kim. Well, I want to learn so much. You know, I love this show because it puts me on a platform that I get to meet people that I would have never been able to meet. And I just ran across you on LinkedIn. You have a large following and I thought I have to get her on the show, but so let, let's, you know, today we're going to talk about the five-step framework of learning new schools, skills and tech and building a great career. But before we do that, let's talk about you and how you got where you are and where it all started and tell us a little bit about you. Sure. So I, I got into tech at an early age, but ultimately ended up leaving tech after college and took a seven year hiatus and ended up in, in investment banking and entrepreneurship. And it was about 10 and a half years ago that I found myself as as a I, I wouldn't say victim, but uh, of the 2008 crisis. But I definitely was injured by it and found myself at absolute rock bottom. A lot of a lot of it had to do with some poor decisions I had made on my own found myself with with no valuable skills, no network, nothing except for a lot of debt to my name. And I know a lot of people know what that feels like. And it was a really scary time for me because I could not find anyone who would even give me the time of day to interview. And I, through a Hail Mary, hired a career coach to help me figure out what should I do next? I was hearing nurse and and, and teacher and all different kinds of career opportunities. And she had me take one of those assessments that 
figured out what are you good at and what what do you like to do? And it overwhelmingly said I should be developing software, which honestly felt like a cruel joke because my software skills were over seven years outdated, which is it just made me archaic in tech terms. Because when I graduated, not only did the iPhone not exist, but the razor hadn't even been invented yet. And SMS text messaging wasn't a thing. And I, I, I put myself out there and through the, the five-step framework that we're going to talk about today, within two years, I was top of field in iOS. My work had been featured in Apple's keynotes. I had been one of 100 top innovators worldwide invited to the UKJ Innovation Conference, and I had won the company-wide award at a top mobile agency just four times. And then uh, on top of that, I found out that I was underpaid. Uh, and uh, even worse, uh, a male peer, when he was at my level, had been hired at 50, five zero uh, percent more than me. Um, and so instead of getting mad, I took action, learned to negotiate, and now I'm a top paid woman in tech. I tripled my salary in just two years and founded developer to help other women and, and men to get ahead, stand out and, and earn more. Well, that is awesome. Congratulations to all your success. Um, there's nothing better than hearing about women that have moved upward and onward in tech. You know, I've been in the industry for a couple of decades and they're definitely um, big difference when I first started in the audiences that I would sit in front that I would stand in front of and moderate events. You'd have maybe two or three women, if that many. You know, and now we're starting to, we're still not seeing half, but we're definitely seeing, you know, a bigger section of women attending our events. So love having women that are moving and making a difference. So tell us about Develop Her and tell us about that and how you got it started and the motivation and what that is doing. Well, developers started with a single, with a problem in a single podcast. I said, where are the women role models? Um, for me and where are the technical women that I could be looking up to who still write code, who are still on the engineering side and technology. And I looked around and I said, someone should do something about this. And I realized, uh oh, <laughs> that person's me. And so I started with a single podcast and very quickly I, uh, I learned that it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily the other women's stories that people were interested in hearing that people People cared about my own personal story. I didn't, I honestly didn't think anyone would care what I had to say. I'm not Sheryl Sandberg by any means. And I was stunned that a lot of women resonated and really understood and felt felt a kinship with my own uh, my own story of first overcoming pay inequity um, and how to get ahead and earn more. And then when that was so popular. Uh, I was asked, well, do you have any more presentations or stories you can tell? And then, I, you know, how do you beat, how do you make more money? Uh, but I had had the story of coming back from nothing, a major comeback in my career, and how I got to the head in just two short years. And believe it or not, that has been even more popular. And I've got my book right here, but that was actually the foundation of my best-selling book, which was my my pandemic surprise, which is how do you how do you get ahead? How do you build your value so that you can look your employer and future employers in the face and ask for a premium salary um, and ask for for how much you know you deserve? And so it was a really iterative process. It's been about five years to September since I launched Developer, and it's just keep rolling out new stuff every year. Well, that's awesome. So, how old is the book? The book had launched uh, International Women's Day one year ago, so uh, that so it's about uh, eleven months old now. 
Wow, congratulations on that. That's great. So so what is what are some of the things that develop like how do people find out about developer and how are you promoting it? And you know, what 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 are some success stories out of that? Yeah, so so most people hear about developer through my speaking. I'm a motivational speaker. I frequently go to conferences uh, that bring me in to, to really get people excited about getting into new fields or, or earning more money. I also frequently work with companies and universities uh, to help encourage their women to go to the next level um, and to really build their own best careers. Um, and then I have online programs. So if you're in the other side of the world and want to interact with me, you have an online portal to learn, uh, learn how I negotiate. And then my new material is how to build wealth and, and uh, financial stability. So I have award-winning online programs. And then, of course, you know, I wanted something low-priced that everyone can access, uh, can access, which is my book. Um, and I'm excited to share that after four years, I've worked with thousands of women. Um, it is not uncommon for me to hear about women getting twenty-five to $80,000 more in a single negotiation and doubling their, their income over, over a period of years, uh, if not doubling it twice. Um, I have one woman here in Dallas, where I'm located, who got not one but two offers at $80,000 more. So it, was, it wasn't a fluke. And then several years later, she was able to double her package yet again. Um, and these are some of the, the, the normal success stories I'm hearing from women, just learning how to advocate for themselves and build their value and really earn what they're worth. So what is your like core job? Is this how, like, how do you, are you, is this your full-time job, what you're doing? Great, great question. You sort of buried the headline. So in addition to developer, I work full-time on the front lines of tech myself. Um, I started off in iOS and now I'm full stack Rails engineer. I'm a director at a Silicon Valley payments company where I uh, not only write code, but lead a team that manages all of the business apps. I started off owning our iOS SDK and built, built our entire voice payment system from the ground up manage all of our messaging capabilities. Uh, for several years, about three years, I was in charge of and managed all of application security at the payments company. And now, uh, now I lead all of our business apps. So when I, and that's what one reason women really resonate with me is because I'm not just saying, do as I say, it's follow me. I'm doing this myself. Let me tell you how I advocated myself to get promoted, not once, but twice. This is how I advocated for myself and was able to stand out. So how did you go from, how did you learn to write code and how did that all um, evolve? Yeah, so uh, the coding started, uh, or relearning the coding. I had a strong foundation um, in computer science in high school and then I was a computer science college and made, uh, computer science major in college, I got that backwards. But I had to start all over. Uh, didn't even know how to open up a basic IDE when I started over 10 years ago. Um, and I started just by cracking open books and having them walk me through how to just basically set up an iOS app. Um, I did a lot. I read a lot of books. And I, I remember one male colleague at the time saying, you know, Lauren's going to bypass us in no time with all the reading she's doing. And it, it paid off. I read a lot of books. I did a lot of tutorials through online videos as the market moved more towards online learning um, and a lot of trial and error. Um, a lot of it was just jumping in and 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 taking a, a stab at the code, debugging it, and learning best practices. Part of it was learning by maintaining code from more senior engineers and learning from them. 
And then I also jumped into hackathons to go try out new ways to uh, use new technologies, uh, new approaches, and to rapidly iterate. And it helps me not only learn new skills and test them out, but helped me build a portfolio of things that I could show off that I, that I had done as well. So what would your advice be to, say, a young girl that has no idea what she wants to do? I'm always, you know, trying to advocate for, you know, pushing women into cybersecurity because there's so many opportunities, there's so many jobs. But if a, if a young girl doesn't know that's what she wants to do, and maybe, maybe she would be a good coder, what would you suggest to dabble into if she's first starting, you know, her basic general ed classes to see if that's a route she wants to go down? Yeah, so the, the best way is to go test drive it and actually don't don't just learn about it, but go out and actually do the work. Talk the, don't just talk to the people, but go in and live it live weeks in the life of that, whether that's through an internship or you know, trying something new out on the job. And once you're in the weeds doing the day-to-day, that's when you can really discover, oh, is this for me or is this different than what I thought it was going to be? And that's ultimately what happened with me is I was writing the code for iOS and then I switched over to do do security. And within security, I developed an interest specifically in application security. And then I got to a point and I was really good at it. Um, And then I got to a point in my career where I was was also writing uh, full stack uh, Ruby on Rails code. And I had to make a decision. I couldn't do both at the same time. It just wasn't sustainable. Um, and I had to, and I had to look at myself and go, well, what do I really want to be doing? How do I want to spend my time? Um, and that's where I ultimately decided to to be more on the the development side, um, and then ultimately left application security. And then all that all became because I knew what I liked to do, um, and I went and I tried it out. So let's, you know, moving into um, this, discussing this five-step framework of learning how new skills and techs and building a great career. Let's break that down and first give us an overview of what that really means and that we can kind of go step by step and talk about that. Yeah, so it's a five-step framework to how, how do you get ahead, build your value, and really stand out so that ultimately you can earn more um, and, and really have your best career. And it's five simple steps. It, it's a lot easier than what people think. You know, the first part is you have to have a bias towards, towards action. You have to take action. Um, you have to be constantly immersing yourself in things and trying, trying out different things. The second thing is you have, it's not all about the skills. You have to build your network before you need it, both your internal network at your company and then external network people in the world. Um, even if you're an introvert like me, you have to be networking because that's how you're going to get ahead. That's how you're going to build. That's how you're going to build to the next level. The third that we've already talked about a little bit, you have to constantly be learning new and valuable skills. Uh, for me, that was security, uh, voice, Ruby on Rails, iOS. Um, and building your portfolio to show that you have those skills. It's not enough to have a class under it. But you, like, what have you built? What, have, what shows that you've actually done something and know how to debug something or get something done when everything doesn't go right? The fourth thing you need to do is you need to constantly communicate your value. One of the biggest mistakes you can make is thinking that good work alone is enough to get ahead. And a lot of us women especially do work in a silo and expect to get noticed and and that will hold you back. 
a few lucky people get through, but most of us will hold us back. And so you have to build your reputation and communicate your value and become your own best self-advocate. And the fifth and most important thing you can do that I still do to this day, and I prioritize it, is invest in yourself. Not only invest in your education and in the resources, but invest your time as well um, in getting ahead, uh, whether that's professional resources or everything down to, to personal and self-care. Um, and that's, that's the framework that I followed to reinvent myself multiple times over and that thousands of women have also gone out and used to get change, real change in their own lives too. So say you have, you know, a woman that approaches you and says, Lauren, help me, you know, I don't know what I'm going to do. So they find you through develop her. So, so what would you do? Like walk us through the process of how, because it all sounds great, you know, but it is a lot of hard work and I do want to really pave the way of showing women, you know, breaking it down more because we, we just discussed it so fast. I, I want it to be a reality that women can follow this path. So absolutely. It, and it yeah. is hard work. And, and in my book, I talk about like, like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna sugarcoat it. This was hard work. I ugly cried at times. I've done that throughout my career when I start over. Um, it's not easy, but it is absolutely worth it. Um, and the first thing you have to do is, you know, you have to get in the game. It's one thing to sit on the sidelines and dream and plan. It's a whole other thing to be in the game and iterating and learning. Because once you're in the game, you're making progress, whether it's forward or backward, you're learning from the movement that you're making and you're, you're getting closer to your destination. And so many people sit on the sidelines and wish that they were able to do something versus actually getting in the action and starting to take that action. Uh, for me, that that means stepping up, showing up and asking, even when it terrifies me and when it when it scares me, I do this all the time. I'm struggling with something like that of my own right now, you know, taking that action. Um, and it, and it's hard. It's really hard to do, but it's also the first and most important step that you need to take and getting started, it's harder. But once you get started, it's like the coefficient of, of static and kinetic friction. The co it's harder to get something that's at rest moving than it is to keep it moving. And, and it's the same thing with us in our careers. Like the hardest part is taking that first step. And I, you know, my advice to my, my developer members is break it down into like the smallest, simplest step that you can take to just get started that like you cannot argue against doing like if it's something as simple as writing down, okay, I'm going to open up Microsoft Word so I can itemize everything and write my resume to submit to new jobs. Well, the first step is going to be, okay, I'm going to open up Microsoft Word. And then you get a checkbox and then you start building momentum from there. So, okay, so they're going to start by opening up Microsoft Word, building a resume, but if they have no history, so, you know, are you telling them, you know, just start making phone calls, find out where you can work for, you know, cause you may not be able to find a paid internship. So well, everyone has a different starting point. And so for some people it's going to be, they need to go out and they need to get their resume ready to go connect with those jobs. Some people might be at the point where they need to figure out what do I want to do next? Um, it do, you know, do I need to get some more training on this and take the initiative to go learn that training? Other people are going to realize they have the training, they have the resume, 
but they don't know the people. And so they're going to have to start building their network. And so it's figuring out where am I at right now? And what's that next big step that I need to take to get me to where I want to go and then break that down into small steps to where you can't argue with yourself to take that next step. So what um, are there, can you share some of the success stories of where women are now and what they did to get there? You know, again, I know I keep talking about the same thing, but I'm just trying to envision what this looks like. Yeah. So I'll get, you know, this probably does sound like a lot of of people might resonate. Like that sounds like me too. I have have this one gal who saw me speak uh, at a big tech company event in Austin um, who were bringing me in for my zero to hero presentation, which is all about the five steps. And she was, co- she was doing great in her career. She was coasting, you know, just doing, doing just fine. And when she, when she heard me talk about taking action, she realized that she hadn't been advocating for herself and that she needed to take that next step and that there was more within her that she could do more. And it was on her to step up and let her leaders know that she can do more and she wanted to do more. So that day at that event was sponsored by her senior vice president. She went up to the senior vice president of her division and told him, look, I'm raising my hand. I'm interested in pursuing leadership opportunities at this company. And that set the ball in motion because that senior vice president went and talked to her manager directly. And then she ended up in the high performers program uh, for her company. Um, And then within that, they trained her to be a, a leader. Um, and her team won uh, an internal team competition, and they got her uh, they got her uh, her solution service rolled out company wide. Um, then she also became an advocate for uh, women of color um, at the the high school levels to encourage more women to get into STEM. Um, and then she was tapped for promotion by her senior vice president, not the other way around. Her manager recommending her, but the best part was is that. Not like she really got incredible change all by just stepping up and asking for something and raising her hand, which had terrified her. That set all these events in motion that like she could have never dreamed a year later had happened. And then her husband had taken notice and he had been interested in this stretch job and that he hadn't applied, but he saw how just her stepping up and showing up and asking when it, when it terrified her, when, when, when she didn't necessarily know if she could do that, all the incredible change it got for her in his life, he went for that stretch job and he got promoted as well. And so it was their entire household that started, which is a simple action of raising her hand and saying, yeah, I'm interested in leadership. Here I am and declaring that. Well, that's awesome. Well, tell us, um, I want to go back to some of the things we were talking about when I was um, reading your bio. You um, said that you went to a lot of different hackathons. Tell us about that and how intimidating that was, because I imagine there probably weren't a lot of females at those type of events. it It was even more intimidating because my first hackathon, I showed up when I had almost no skills. It was just two months into starting a starting a new job in tech. And I was within a 90 day trial period still. And the head of the mobile app uh, engineering shop pulled all of the department aside and asked us if we would just volunteer to be mentors at a local hackathon. And 
you know, I know barely anyone raised their hand, but I, I raised my hand and said, you know, I might not know everything, but I'll show up and I'll volunteer and, 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 and at least put my energy and attitude there. And I remember sitting outside the innovation center where the hackathon was hosted. It was a, a Saturday morning. It was cold outside in the dead of winter. Um, and it was before 8 a.m. on a Saturday morning. And I was so nervous to go in that I was like eyes closed, silently praying to myself that I didn't make a fool of myself. I was that nervous. And I went in, I met people, I networked. And I found out, yeah, there's a lot I didn't know, but I made it a point to get to know people, um, add a little value where I could. I found people who knew even less than me. Um, and then I made it a point to meet uh, the organizer and he invited myself and uh, several of my fellow mentors to continue to attend his events. But I was the only person who showed up over and over again. And then I ultimately ended up volunteering at his BIT International South by Hackathon in Austin and ended up winning as part of a team in that. And then I got that got me an invite to the invite only hackathon the following year with American Airlines and that's how I met uh, one of the key people at uh, American Airlines who invited me to be part of the British Airways uh, Ungrounded Hackathon in the Sky event, which flew me first class to the UK to attend the UK GA Innovation Conference. And so it was a simple act of stepping up and, and showing up to that hackathon when it terrified me. Um, and through a series of events and sh continuing to show up at the hackathons. And I can't tell you how many times I, I found myself in a bathroom at a hackathon, silently praying, I, dear Lord, I, I, I promise if you get me through this hackathon, I promise I'll never do it again. <laughs> and, and then I guess what? I'd show up again. I, I'd show up again. Um, and that that's the true story of how I ended up to UKG Innovation Conference. It was a series of showing up, even when it terrified me. That's awesome. Did you see the on Netflix? They have that Queen's Gambit. Gambit. Did you see I that? I haven't seen that. No. You have to watch it because it kind of reminds me of the same thing because it's her being in a chess club and, you know, showing up with all men and that, the same thing. I, it sounds like the exact same scenario. But again, it's just women you know, taking a step and doing something that, you know, what, what, you know, doesn't break you is going to make you stronger. So it, it definitely, I'm you sure. Know, it is interesting. Um, I found out mid flight flying from Dallas to San Francisco, where the, the ungrounded event kicked off that I was going to be one of the builders on that flight. Um, and I had a moment of panic going, Oh my goodness, <laughs> this event starts in 12 hours. And I, you know, I'm going to be a builder and have to build midair, which was not was not necessarily expected. So while everyone else was out networking and drinking the night before, I spent all night in my hotel room downloading all of my tools, my prototyping tools, my development tools so that I could do everything locally on my laptop in case I didn't have Internet um, on the flight. Well, lo and behold, we get on the flight and I'm with top, top tech luminaries. Right. And then there's me. Guess who was the only person who had thought ahead to download all the tools that we would need on that flight? No one else had thought that they could they should download the tools. And suddenly I went from, you know, junior engineer on the flight with all these top luminaries to most in-demand person because I was the only person who could actually prototype anything. And so what what you think is going to what you think is going to make you valuable might be totally different than what actually makes you valuable. And and I learned that Fortunately, it worked out really well for me. 
Well, that's awesome. Now, how how long ago was that when you attended that summit? That was uh, 2013 I, or 2012, no, 2013. So that would be what, nine years ago? So do you do any of that? Are you involved and do you still like to go to these? And uh, So I'm involved with the U United Nations uh, Equals Movement, which is all about gender equality and tech internationally. And I'm, I'm involved on that council now. Okay, that's awesome. Um, I, 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 are there still a lot of hackathons that even happen? I just, I don't really hear about them as much as I used there to. Are, there are a lot of hackathons and they have some pretty incredible prizes. Um, I turned 40 a couple weeks ago and uh, when I turned about 32, my body said no more late nights and a lot of junk food. It just, I, I got really sick in the middle of a restaurant and I, I said, okay, I don't think I can do this anymore. So I sort of graduated to the next level where, you know, I, I really focus on events. Um, I speak at events to build my reputation. Um, and, I, you know, I also network exclusively. So I've, I've replaced hackathons with different types of events. So when you created Develop Her and, you know, your website is pretty amazing. Um, when did that launch and how did, you know, where did the thought come into, you know, each of those tabs on that website and everything you're doing there, was that all that content developed by you? It's all developed by me. I have a team, it's all me. And then I have a team of contractors, you know, I have a designer developers who, who all manage the website and that, you know, I'm the CEO, everything goes through me. And it happened iteratively. I started with an initial, an initial podcast that led to a speaking platform, which led to an online course. Um, and then I started speaking at universities and then rolled out a university program. Then I rolled out another corporate program, which got really popular with corporate. And then on top of corporate, I rolled out the book. Um, and that's where I am today. You know, it's an iterative process, expanding, expanding as I go and recognizing each opportunity for what it is, an opportunity and, and, and pouncing on it. So I'm looking at your site now and it looks like you have a, some sort of membership. What, what is that about? I do. I have, uh, I have monthly membership where women can join and get on an exclusive, uh, exclusive zoom call with me where I host for a group of members, uh, on a Saturday afternoon, uh, once a month. And so it's group coaching, get ahead, they get special access, uh, to, I get conference discounts and different opportunities. Um, and so I loop them into that and it's group coaching as well as Slack access. Um, and then on top of that, I also have the Become a Negotiator uh, online program that teaches women and men use it too, step-by-step step how to negotiate the salary and how I tripled my salary in just two short years. Um, and then I'm just about to launch new programming um, in the form of a masterclass with, with a new webinar um, on how to build wealth and financial stability in life and manifest more money. So when you're trying to attract women and, you know, where, where are you going to find these women? How do you, are you going to schools? What's, what's your marketing? Uh, well, I don't, I don't, necessarily, I don't necessarily have a marketing. It, it's, you know, demand um, where I get asked to speak. And so it's word of mouth referral. Um, usually it's someone who's seen me speak before, read my book, um, who says, Hey, I need you to come to my company or come to my, come to my school, um, and help support the women. Well, that's great. I was just looking at, you know, just your website. I, I think you did. It looks great. There's lots of, uh, lots of great resources in there. 
but do you go to um, the business schools or are you talking to groups of women? Like what kind of, what's your ideal group of women that you would want to speak in front of? Well, absolutely. I talk with deans of business schools all the time about the programs, you know, especially as you need to be more tech savvy as a business professional. And so much of your business curriculum does require having, you know, a tech angle as well. Um, I speak at a lot of engineering programs, um, big tech companies, you know, um, you know, Google has brought me in oh, uh, three times now. Dell brought me in several times, um, Armor, CrowdStrike to, to talk to their women. And so it's really, um, it's really, I'm brought in for the women, but the men show up too. And that's the really interesting thing is they're sitting front row e equally as eager to, to understand the information. Yeah, that seems to happen a lot, like out at, I don't know if you're familiar with RSA, but they have, you know, women in cybersecurity and they have a special event for women only, but there's always a ton of men <laughs> at that event too. So, um, yeah, I don't know. There, there, this doesn't be, surprise me at all. Yeah, it could be a double motivation there, but it is, it is kind of comical that there's still um, so many men at that event. So... What, um, what next, what are you going to be doing next in, you know, develop her? So right now I'm focused on helping women build wealth and financial stability, because that's where, that's where women really, I think need some help. And that's where I was 10 years ago, even five years ago is I was, I was making decisions out of a place uh, of scarcity and insecurity. And I think what's really important for women is to have a good relationship with money and to build financial wealth and financial stability in their life. And so I'm working on uh, low, low, low price offerings to help women go out and do this for themselves, because it's something that I've done myself, I've invested to learn how to do over the years, and I've been successful at doing it myself. And I want to help women get ahead to do that. Because when you can build wealth and financial stability in life uh, for yourself, so many other things will fall into place like health and relationships. So are you doing that by upping their skill sets? Are you also teaching them, you know, how to invest your money and things of that nature? So I'm not, I'm not talking specifically about here's where to put your money, but I'm talking about the importance of investment and the, the framework that I use specifically uh, to go out and build, build wealth and, and how I, how I did that. So it's, it's, it's an online, online program broken up into multiple steps to teach that. Well, that's great. And so are you, what's, are, do you have big conferences? I know like I am in the conference world, so I, I know things have changed and a lot of things are virtual. What challenges have you found, you know, with the launch of your book and us being in a COVID world, um, you know, just getting out there? Are you, are you still having lots of opportunities? Yes, I've seen it as a positive thing. For instance, when I launched my book last year, I was able to do, you know, a triple header in one day uh, to, to do speaking at multiple companies versus if it had been a normal world, I may have been able to do one or two events in a single week um, with, with travel. And instead, I, I did, I think, 10, 13 events in one week, and I didn't even take time off from work. And so it's really opened up the doors for me, this COVID world with hybrid and virtual. Uh, to different opportunities and help me reach a larger audience. And so if you're working with a company, so you are, your full-time job is the company out of Silicon Valley. Is that yes. correct? So I assume you're just working remotely 
with them. Yes, I've worked remotely uh, for them for five years, and I've been remote working remotely myself for seven years now. So that's the normal, the norm for me. So what what kind of stamp do you have in Silicon Valley? Are you, you know, there's so many young women out there that are trying to, you know, live the dream and, you know, so many developers. Yeah, I mean, we, we've watched so many more men, you know, make tons and tons of billions, not billions, but millions of dollars on software that's been picked up and bought from other companies. What kind of stamp are you trying to do with the younger developers that are trying to make it? Well, I want, I want more women to see that you can be technical and um, that, you know, in order to get ahead, you don't have to be on the marketing or operations side of the world. Those are absolutely viable paths and they're great for a number of people. But I want them to also know that women can write code. Women can be technical. Women can be wearing the CTO hat, the CISO hat, uh, making the technical decisions. And that it's not just men who are writing the code or someone or a girl, you know, sitting in a dark coded room and coding um, that, hey, People who write code are women who I care about fashion. I like current events, um, you know, and, and I love to code and I can be technical and I'm really proud of it. Well, that's, you know, coding to me is it's it's just so far over my head. I can't even imagine. That's why I was curious as backing up a little bit and talking to because I happen to have a young daughter that has no you know, she's trying to figure out what she's going to do with her life. And I would love for her to get into coding because she can do anything else. You know, she can sneak anything else by me when it comes to being online. So um, that's I'm just like, what kind of advice would you? It's hard for someone young. You said to get an internship. But if you haven't even if you're just starting college, that's a little, you know, that's a little tougher. So I'm just wondering what kind of um advice you'd give to someone that has no idea that that could be a viable source for them that they might like. But we still have that stigma of tech is boring. So the, the advice I'm going to give is the advice that my parents were given. You know, they I got into computer science as a freshman in high school uh, by my parents' choice. I had a, a one free elective, and I'm the oldest of three children. My dad's a, a surgeon. My mom was a school counselor. And uh, they, they knew I didn't want to be a doctor. And so they asked some friends of theirs whose son had gone on to MIT and their daughter had gone on to Duke. They said, well, what should we put her in that will set her up for success? And they said, put her in computer science. Not how to use computers like Microsoft Word or Excel, but computer science, how to program computers. And here I am, the lone girl in a class full, you know, as a freshman girl in a class full of senior guys who wrote code and games for fun. And my parents didn't know anything about what my, my work was. So I had no help. I was literally on my own. And the idea was that even if I didn't become a computer scientist or software engineer, at least I would understand how to talk to them. And it was, it's like, it's like having your children eat vegetables. Like everyone should take a computer science course, whether you're going to become a computer scientist or not. I think if you, if you don't know the basics of computer science and software engineering, I think the future is going to, you're going to, it's, it's like, it's, you're going to be illiterate. It's like not knowing a second language was when I was growing up. Um, you needed to know a second language. And for me being in Texas, that was Spanish. And I think it's a similar thing for the next generation even if you're not going to be a computer scientist and software engineer, I think you still need to know how to talk to those engineers by taking at least an intro level course. 
So who would be some of your role models that you follow and has inspired you? So I don't have any really in tech. Um, mine are Sarah Blakely. I really admire her as an entrepreneur. You know, she went out and started her company with sweat equity and no outside investments to really get it started. And that's what I've done with, with developer. You know, I, I hear all the time, I have an idea, I just need an engineer and I just need an investor. And I, I got tired of hearing that as an app developer. And so when I founded my company, I was like, I have an idea, I make good income, I'm gonna make it happen myself. I'm gonna be my own investor um, and go out and build it myself. Um, and so I, I admire the entrepreneurs who've gone out and, and made, made the opportunities happen for themselves and didn't feel like they needed to have some mentor come along and show them the way. So when was this turning moment in your life? Because you said that you kind of were down and out and tried to, you had to figure out what you were going to do. What, where was the shift? As it was about 10 years ago. And I had just, I mean, the pushing point is I had been laid off from a horrible job and I realized that I was, going for executive assistant jobs, administrative assistant roles. And those jobs were going away. They're, they weren't opening up. There were fewer and fewer of them every week. And I realized this is, this is not a good situation. And I realized, I remember where I was sitting in a career development workshop and it, had, it hit me how serious this situation was for me and that I needed to turn it around and I promised myself I would never find myself without marketable skills again. And that's what I, that's what I did. I went out and I developed those marketable skills and I've made sure that I'm always marketable and top of mind. So when we were talking about your, your college education earlier and you had all these accomplishments in four years, was that, so was that before 10 years prior when you had our, 10 years. Yeah, I get now. zero credit for it. No one cared that I had a triple major. They, they might give me an interview um, to just to see, you know, what is this? But when it came to a coding test to prove what I could do, I couldn't do a thing. Um, and I, I got I got a 90 day trial period to come in and show myself because they were so desperate for engineers at this company that I had 90 days to show myself off. But no one, everyone always thinks, oh, well, sure, you had a triple major from Duke. Sure, I, I doubt you were not able to find a job. Well, when you don't have any marketable skills and you can't code a single line to save your life and you have no experience um, in anything, um, yeah, I mean, it, I got more no's than, than I can. Everyone can play Monday morning quarterback and say, oh, yeah, I would have given you an interview. But 10 years ago, no one was giving me an interview. And so I had to go out and make those opportunities happen for myself. Yeah, that is really a tough thing when you do finish um, college is, you know, I my I have another daughter that recently graduated from Indiana University and I kept saying, I mean, she's got a great job now and everything's great. But while she was trying to find that job, I'm like, go, isn't there career advising? Go, go to them. There really isn't, you know, it's like the core thing that, you know, we decided to send her that, to, you know, when her and I decided she was going to go to that school, it was because they had such a great placement plan. And what are your thoughts about that? Because I was not seeing any of that. It depends on your school. I mean, I had, I had a really great experience in undergrad where the career services center was fantastic and how, you know, there were a lot of on-campus companies that recruited on campus and a lot of opportunities. Um, I think with how the tech world is shaped up, I think a lot of opportunities come outside of that these days. 
Um, and it really, it, it just depends on your school. But I never, I never rely on someone else. Um, when you rely on someone else, you don't control your outcome. And so I say it starts with you. And that, that's why I say start taking action. Like it's ultimately on you to own the outcome that you want for, in your own life. So um, with the current status of the tech world, you know, all I ever hear about is understaffed, understaffed. There's um, so many jobs out there, but then you go to other younger people, they can't find these jobs. So how do you match, you know, the desire, you know, there's this huge need in the industry for more, you know, people really want more women in cyber and jobs just aren't being filled. But yet on the other side, you have people saying, well, I can't find a job. So how do you match those two up? Yeah. So what's going on is there, there's a lot of job openings and they can't find people. They can't find the senior experienced people is what they can't find. Um, there are a dime a dozen people who, who took a boot camp, who want to learn to go to the next level, who want to go to the next level, who don't yet have experience or very junior engineers. But what, 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 what's missing is the, the employers that are willing to invest in those engineers in training them. And, and it takes a lot to get someone who has no experience up to speed to where they're, you know, a full-time junior engineer and then, and then a mid-level engineer. And so that's what we're seeing is that there's, there's a real, there, there's a crowded market of a lot of entry-level engineers with no experience and there's not as many of those jobs. And then there's a lot of senior opportunities, but not as many candidates who would fit the senior role. What are your thoughts about all those kids out there that are going to these boot camps? Well, so I think the most important thing you, you get is to, to build your portfolio. Um, a lot of people, I, I've run into people who, who've done well through those, and I've done and run into people who said, I, I didn't get anything out of it. Um, I personally think it's on your own initiative to go out and make those opportunities happen for yourself. Um, to build your portfolio and make yourself stand out, I don't think it's enough to enroll in a boot camp and expect those jobs to come from you. The boot camps are going to tell you that. Of course, they're going to tell you that. Land a job with this, but like it's really on you to go out and make those opportunities happen for yourself. And and I'm biased because that's what I that's what I did for myself. I didn't didn't hand that over to someone else and, and hope for the best um, and just check some boxes. And so I really think that you have to take initiative. You have to make yourself stand out. Um, and then it's ultimately on you to own the outcome that you want. What's your opinion of going to a trade school or a boot camp versus a, you know, university degree? It depends. It depends. And I think the most important thing is building your portfolio and what, what you're able to do. I have some friends who have no university education and they're incredibly accomplished engineers. They're incredibly accomplished engineers and entrepreneurs. I also know people who have no, you know, don't have the traditional education and they, I understand why they don't have a job. Um, so it really is up to the individual to make the most of their situation. I don't think there's a right answer that you can apply across the board. Um, I really think it's what you make out of it. You know, it's interesting. I don't know if you know, um, 
Naomi Buckwater. Do you know her? If you no, know, I don't. Well, you should follow her because she is a pretty big influencer, women, you know, woman in cyber. And she was a keynote speaker at my event a few weeks ago. And she was giving, we were talking about this very topic. And she was talking about that person that was always complaining that, you know, I, I can never get a break. You know, my boss is mean to me. This didn't work out that it's time for that person to probably look at themselves because what is the problem? It's probably not everyone else. It's yourself, which goes, yep. you know, right into what you're talking about is that, you know, you can spend all the money in the world on a university or what have you. But if you can't, you know, if you can't you know, at least make, there's got to be the next step, you know, that's, I, I see so many people in the industry that are so book smart, but they don't have the ability to, you know, drive themselves, you know, down the path that they should go to. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And like that, that's the premise of the developer playbook. And, you know, my whole mantra is like, look, it's easier than you think, but you have to take the initiative. Like, that's why I say start with action. So many people just want someone else to show up and give them an opportunity. But like, what, what are you doing? What are you doing to advance your own agenda to take care of yourself and get the outcome that you really want? Yeah, I agree. And we, we've seen a lot. We're almost we're coming to the end of the hour. But we see a lot of that in this whole COVID world is that now that things are in a hybrid mode, there are a lot of very, very introverted people that we probably won't see at events anymore. They will take the easy way out and they'll stay and they'll watch things virtual, which is not going to be good for them because, you know, going to events and networking with people and talking to people, it is a good source of building your career when you're trying to open doors for yourself in the future. So um, I do believe COVID has, you know, stifled you know, people in a little bit, a little bit as far as, you know, keeping them in a safer place. But we have like two minutes left. Um, is what parting words, what advice would you give to the listeners out there of something they can do different today that they weren't doing yesterday to enhance their life and help them, you know, reach the goal of happiness and, you know, just being happy with what you're doing every day? Yeah, so you're, you're closer than you think. To achieving what you want and you already have what you already have it in you to get what you need you just have to realize that you already have it in you um that is great and how can people find you if they want more information about your website or just you in general yes so two things you can follow me on linkedin lauren hassan h-a-s-s-o-n or, or you can go to develop her d-e-v-e-l-o-p-h er.com. Um, I have a regular newsletter that I send out and I have a number of a uh, number of programs for both corporations, universities, and individuals as well. Okay. Well, thank you for being on the show today, Laura Hansen. We appreciate you spending the last hour um, with us. You guys go check her out. I want to remind everyone that again, today is national privacy day. It's been privacy week all week. So just be careful in everything you're doing out there. You know, be careful with the apps that you're downloading. 
you know, check out, you know, when you're filling out online applications, you don't have to put your social security number out there. There are other options. Call the banks. Try to find out ways that you don't have to put this information out there. And if you are um, filling applications out online, you know, make sure that you are in a secure environment and follow industry leaders. Like I said, Rebecca Harold, the privacy professor, she would love for you guys to jump on her show. She is the professor out there of privacy. Um, next week, please um, join us again. I'm going to have Tina Piccioni on the show. She is definitely an industry leader and a force to be reckoned with, and you will love her. Thanks, everyone. If you were new to the show, you can go to any place that you listen to your podcast and follow the show on Voice America. Just go to the business sector and um, you will find Ant Security for All. Everyone have a great weekend. Stay safe, stay secure, and I will see you next week. Thank you for tuning into And Security for All. Be sure to join your host, Kim Hakem, for another episode of the show next Friday at noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. And don't forget, you can follow Kim on LinkedIn by searching for Kim Hakem. That's Kim, H A K I M, to keep yourself posted on all of her upcoming cybersecurity events. <laughs>